Celebrating 50 years, ASCP is a membership organization of senior care pharmacists. Our mission is to promote healthy aging by empowering pharmacists with education, resources, and innovative opportunities. Learn more at ASCP.com. ASCP, experts in medication management, improving the lives of older adults. Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to Senior RX Radio, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Senior RX Radio is brought to you by the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists, the ASCP. ASCP is devoted to optimal medication management and improved health care outcomes for older adults. Learn more at our website, ASCP.com. Welcome to Senior Rx Radio. My name is Dr. Jaron Stout. And I am Dr. Joanne Pio, and we are your hosts of Senior Rx Radio. Today's guest is Dr. Veronica Riera Gilly, a pharmacist dedicated to maximizing the health of patients through a holistic approach. Thank you for joining us today, Veronica. Thank you for having me. So one of the things that many people don't know about you, Veronica, is that you're very passionate about integrating yoga into pharmacy practices. What about yoga inspires you as a pharmacist? Yoga has been what has taught me how to engage my patients more and how to move past this pill for every ill situation that we're in with our current healthcare system. And yoga has taught me how to engage my patients and learn self-care. When I graduated from pharmacy school, I knew that diet and exercise were foundational things that we needed to be helping our patients with. And I realized I didn't know how to teach that to my patients. I knew all the pharmacology of the drugs and what to do when all of the lifestyle and other modifications failed. I had all sorts of tools and resources for them, but I didn't have a lot of the preventative side to give to them. And my journey in yoga has helped me gain that side of what I needed to know to give the patients a a better experience and maximize their health with minimal medication. I love that. You said a pill for every ill. I wrote that down because I really like that. It's not mine. (laughs) Well, I, I think we as pharmacists, you're right. We have a tendency to understand how to, to move past uh, diet and exercise, but we rarely truly understand that aspect of it before jumping to meds. It's almost like to the point where we forget that it sometimes. You said that it helps you to engage your patients. So how is it that you engage your patients using this? I'm able to help my patients have more body awareness and understand that they are the experts at their own body. I think in our current healthcare system, patients don't feel like they're the expert in their body. They go to an expert to help them fix something. And by gaining body awareness through different yoga practices, patients can begin to understand the wisdom of their own body and know that the sensations and the symptoms that they have in their body are actually telling them something and giving them clues about what they need to do. And I like to encourage my patients that 
if you're having a symptom, it's not necessarily something that we need to cover up. It's it's a clue that we need to do something or that something needs to change. And it's it's something that we really need to listen to. Okay. Well said. So so there's several things to consider here with with yoga. So does it play a role in pharmacy? And and what is the evidence-based research that supports integrating yoga? into the care plan for elderly patients. And are you implying that we should start selling yoga mats in a pharmacy? If it were my own pharmacy, yes, I would probably sell yoga mats. <laughs> but awesome. there is a growing body of evidence that yoga is very useful for helping our patients. And early on, some of the research that was done, it was inconsistent as to what we found with the benefits of yoga. And it was because there wasn't a standardized approach. And much like we're learning that not everything fits every person, that we do have to customize treatment plans and make it very personalized. The same is true of a yoga practice. But when we need to study it, there needs to be a standard. And there's growing research studies that are using standardized yoga protocols so that we have something better to compare the results to when we're looking at other standards of care so that there's a standard yoga practice that they're examining. So yoga, you're using it as a non-pharmacological option to treat our patients. And go ahead. Yes. And the tools of yoga are very useful for the health coaching aspect of our job. When we're running classes such as diabetes prevention classes, a lot of the practices that bring awareness to the body can be useful in helping patients shift their perspective, learning new problem-solving skills. And so it's very useful in the health coaching aspect of our jobs, especially as we move away from dispensing and into offering more clinical services. The tools of yoga are giving us more tools to help our patients and service them in those educational realms. So I wonder, is it more of the yoga? Like, is it yoga itself that's helping the patients be more self-aware? Or could we say that it could be anything such as yoga, meditation, or even prayer to help our patients be more self-aware about the decisions they're making? Yoga, are you speaking of yoga as the physical practices or yoga, the the whole practice, the eight limbs of yoga that offer different types of practices? Are you referring only to the the exercise? I when I think of yoga, I think of it being a an exercise, a mental exercise. Is that correct? The word yoga means union and the goal of yoga is to unite the mind, body, and soul. And there's multiple practices that go into that. So there are meditative practices and there are physical practices. And prayer could certainly be one of them. Mantra or repetitive prayers in yoga can be applied to any religious practice. You don't have to use the yoga mantras. You could use Bible verse or something that really speaks to you, and you can adapt the practices uh, regardless of your faith. The reason why I phrase the question in that way is because, you know, a, one of the biggest issues being a pharmacist is helping patients who are not adherent to their medications. 
And we have to think as pharmacists, why are they not adherent? You know, Mm -hmm. they have a lot of things going on in their lives. Maybe they're forgetting to take their medication. Maybe there's a cost barrier. Maybe they don't feel like it's important. And I think it's important as pharmacists that we have to empower patients to be their own advocate to say, you know what, this is my health. I want to take control of it. I want to know what diabetes is. What is this type 2 diabetes that my doctor says I have? What is this hypertension that my doctor says that I have? Because a lot of patients, well, my doctor said I have it. The pharmacist gave me the medication, so I'm taking it. I don't know what it is. So I think that you know what you're saying is using these non-pharmacological options are important because we're helping patients in terms of mental strategies to be more self-aware so they can take better control of their health because we can't give a patient a medication. We can't tell a patient, listen, we can't force feed them lettuce. They have to want it for themselves. Absolutely. And bringing this body awareness can help them be more compliant with whatever we're recommending, whether it's diet or taking a pill, because they're aware of what's happening in their body and how they feel. I think of the example of GERD. When patients are really in tune with their body, then they start to understand the relationship between the foods that they eat and the way that their stomach feels. And when they start to pay attention to something like that, then they may not need their heartburn medication as often. And we know that we're always trying to deprescribe PPIs. And so having that awareness of the body and how you feel even after you eat, not just how you feel when you're exercising, is is a way to help improve their compliance. What's another word? Adherence for them to to see the benefit and it makes it easier for them to do it because they can feel the benefit. They're not just doing it because we told them so and that they understand that they have control over that symptom. Okay, so by using body awareness, that makes them more compliant and more adherent, at least more likely to be so. Mm -hmm. What are some other things that yoga does to help utilize non-pharmacological options so that we can target unnecessary medications to get rid of? I think pain management is a really good example where this comes in. In a yoga practice, you're moving your body in in different ways and you're learning what movements cause discomfort in your body. And when patients go through a regular yoga practice and start to understand what movements cause them more pain, what movements make them feel better, they can actually start to design their own practice at home that reduces their use of pain medications. I have one patient or student, and she tells me that she no longer needs her muscle relaxer because she does a series of neck exercises that we do in class. She's discovered if she does them first thing when she gets up in the morning, before she gets out of bed, she just sits on the edge of her bed and does this little series of neck movements that we open a lot of yoga classes with. And she says it takes away all the stiffness in her neck and she no longer needs that muscle relaxer. Wow. So we could get rid of some pain meds as well as muscle relaxants. So that that's those are two that are heavily used in my practice. So that's very good to know. And when they find a practice or the physical practice that works for them, they can have a reduction in their NSAIDs and, and even their opiates. Right. And so uh, one of the questions they have, obviously, there's several very frail residents that, that I would have in some of my nursing homes that 
it would just be too late to start them on this type of exercise or whatnot. But are there lighter types of exercises that we could use for, say, a Parkinson's or or somebody else with a bad gait or balance that they could improve their balance with? Absolutely. Yoga is for absolutely anyone. If you can breathe, you can practice yoga. And one of the eight limbs of yoga is pranayama or breathing breath work. And so absolutely anyone, no matter where they are in their health journey, can use a breathing practice. And we all instinctively know how to use an exhale. If you've ever done something really stressful, and when you're done, you go, oh, I'm so glad that's over. Your exhale activates your parasympathetic nervous system. Your lungs are innervated by your vagus nerve, and your vagus nerve talks to 75% of your visceral organs, and it makes up a large part of our parasympathetic nervous system. And so when we intentionally use the exhale, we activate those relaxation responses in our body. And that's a very powerful thing to be able to teach our patients that just by changing your breath, you begin to calm down your body and start a whole chain of physiologic processes that put you in a state of relaxation that let you rest and digest. And so even a patient in a hospice bed can utilize breath work. And there are yoga programs, yoga for hospice patients through Mind-Body Solutions. Mind-Body Solutions is a really great organization that helps yoga teachers learn adaptive practices. They particularly cater to patients with spinal cord injuries and help yoga teachers learn how to modify physical practices and build practices to meet a patient's needs when they have a lot of physical limitations. When you talk about patients with gait trouble, it brings to mind the studies from ASU. They put together a study to look at a yoga protocol for senior patients, and the data that they got was really, really good. And they actually have a program called Rewind Gold Successful Aging, and it's an online yoga teacher training program. They also have an in-person version, and it's a really great resource for people who want to learn how to adapt yoga for an aging body. So that's another resource that's available. And I really like their online training. I got to be a beta tester for it, and it covers a lot of the biopsychosocial components of, of aging and how yoga can address some of that with community connection, as well as the, the physical and breath practices. I was going to give you guys just some of the tests that they did. So they measured everyone at baseline six week, 12 weeks on things like a 30 second chair stand, arm curl reps, two minute step, sit and reach test, back scratch and eight foot up and go testing. And they had 63% improvement in lower body strength, 60% improvement, upper body strength, 97% improvement in lower body and upper body flexibility, 31% improvement in agility and 47% improvement in aerobic fitness. So the, the results that they got were really good and they did it with a standardized protocol. So it was taught the same way, the same sequence, and 
theirs was focused a lot on the physical practices of yoga, but they did incorporate uh, breath work as well. It's so funny that you said that just doing something simple as controlling your breathing makes such a huge impact. And when you were discussing that, I automatically thought to, you know, anxiety, you know, we could help a lot of patients who are suffering through anxiety and other conditions by managing their stress levels and teaching them how to cope with the different stressors in life. I think it's very important as pharmacists to remember that the first line of treatment for most of the chronic conditions out there is lifestyle changes, initiating diet and exercise and under exercise, incorporating yoga and breathing exercises. You know, we have these patients and we have them on these medications and they're on these medications for like years. And I think we forget to tell patients, listen, these are not supposed to be medications you're going to supposed to be on for a long period of time. It's supposed to help you until you can make those lifestyle changes so we can hopefully decrease the dose and hopefully discontinue the medication. Absolutely. I tried to describe drugs like Band-Aids. It's something that covers up the problem temporarily, but we still have to address what's keeping the wound open. And it's, it's just a Band-Aid. It's just a cover-up. And we have more work to do so that we don't need the drug. And the problem is still going on. Like with diabetes, we can take all the drugs, but we're still having the problem of insulin resistance. We're not making it go away. We're just helping our bodies utilize the sugar and put it in the right place. And so I think that's, that's one way to help patients is to understand that yoga and all of these practices can help them do something to solve the problem instead of just cover it up. Right. I think the problem that people often misunderstand when they take a new medication is we're never truly fixing the problem. We're just trading it in for a new one. And we just have to hope that the new problem is better than the old one. And so a lot of times it's a trial and error process. But I know it's really easy for anybody, including our listeners, to maybe discount the effects and the benefits of yoga. So, for instance, you know, the, the, I was looking up the benefits online before we started. It's chronic pain, migraines, depression, anxiety, breathing, quality of life. Uh, one of them was sleep. And I thought, well, that, that's interesting. So you could argue that by the biggest problem, I think, with, with uh, the elderly in the nursing homes that I go to is that they sleep during the day and they complain that they can't sleep at night. So by giving them this activity and also exerting themselves, they're staying awake, they're staying active, and then when they go to sleep, they can sleep better for longer periods and, and maybe deeper because they had some activities to keep themselves occupied. So it's maybe easy to discount and say, oh, well, it's an, if mm-hmm. it's an endorphin-releasing activity, any activity would do, right? So, so just in your words, what separates yoga from, say, Sweat into the oldies with Richard Simmons. The mindfulness and the matching of many of the movements to the breath, I think, are what sets yoga apart as an exercise because you're not just letting your body go on autopilot. You are intentionally breathing slowly, breathing deeply, 
and you're continuously activating your parasympathetic nervous system during a yoga class and you're helping to exercise strengthens muscles. Well, if, if you think about our parasympathetic nervous system, we want to strengthen the tone of our parasympathetic nervous system. In our particular lifestyles, we all live very stressful lifestyles and we're often in a very sympathetic fight or flight kind of mode. And so our nervous system is kind of set on the stress side. And so we want to increase the tone of our parasympathetic nervous system to help balance things out and turn down our fight or flight responses and the breath work paired with the exercises when we're talking about the physical practices of yoga really set it apart from other exercises. That's great. I love the physiological explanation and the rationale. Thank you. And then you're welcome. Veronica, what are some resources where we can learn more about how to, you know, integrate yoga into our practices or even, you know, tools or websites that we give, we can give to our patients if they would like to start venturing inside yoga? Well, Rewind Gold Successful Aging, that is from Ymedica. They are the ones that have the online teacher training program that is very specific to our senior population. And I think that our geriatric pharmacists would be very interested in seeing that program, whether they want to go through it themselves or if they want a reputable program, if they have someone at their facility that's interested, like maybe the activities coordinator, if they were interested in finding a yoga teacher, you would want to make sure that they were properly trained and understand the aging body. And so that would be a resource where you would know that you have a yoga teacher who's properly trained for your more frail elderly patients. The Center for Mind-Body Medicine, they offer mind-body medicine professional training. And that's a really great resource for learning more of the meditative and contemplative, creative exercises for encouraging patients in understanding their mind-body relationship. They've got a lot of really good resources. They were also mentioned as a great resource for running group classes. Like in the group medical visit model, they have really great resources for that. And mindbodysolutions.org, they actually have a class called Integrating Yogic Principles into Healthcare Delivery. And that was a really great class on how to bring mindfulness not only into the workplace, but to your patients. And they also have a trauma-sensitive yoga class. And I found that to be very beneficial for thinking about trauma in the medical system and how to be a more compassionate provider. That was a really great training. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been really enlightening for me to hear some of the aspects, because I knew there was more than just a physical aspect. You were able to break down the breathing and some of the other aspects of it that I wasn't familiar with. I mean, it was very educational for me. I don't know about Joanne. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I was very, very excited to, to share this with you. It was great. I loved it. I loved having you on today's show, Veronica. Well, thank you again very much. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Senior Rx Radio. Be sure to share this podcast with your fellow consultant pharmacists and pharmacy associates to learn more about better outcomes for older adult patients. Join us on the web at ASCP.com.